Amen. Thank you, ladies. What an honor it is to have you here this morning. Can we give them another big hand this morning and tell them thank you so much for being here? Uh, let, let's celebrate something. Doesn't the Scripture say when somebody gets saved, what happens in heaven? Who rejoices in heaven? The angels rejoice in heaven, and I believe what they do in heaven, we should do here on earth, don't you? I, I believe our life on earth is just getting us ready. This is, I love, one person said, life here is just kind of a dress rehearsal, getting us ready for all of eternity. So let me tell you why we got something to rejoice about. Last Sunday night on the West Campus, we held a back-to-school bash. For students, we were celebrating with our middle school and high school students. Last Sunday night, we had 305 teenagers last Sunday night. That's something to celebrate. We were working with our area churches. Jason took the lead, and praise God. You know what I love about Jason, our student pastor? He loves students, and he loves Jesus, and he wants to connect students to Jesus. Incredible. So he organized all this in our area churches. We all came together. But let me tell you what I remember from last Sunday night. The invitation's given. And we are on the back wall underneath where it says on our back wall, the West Campus Resurrection in Life. Jason's standing right there. I'm standing right next to him. They said, if you're wanting to accept Christ tonight, go stand with your student pastor. Go stand with your student leader. I watched one of those young men. I mean a handsome teenage young man leave his seat, walk back to Jason, just broken. And this is what he said. I need Jesus. And I watched Jason lead that man to a full understanding of what it needs to be saved. Can I tell you, that's something to rejoice about, isn't it? Man, we rejoice with that young man. I, I got some other news. Last Sunday morning, we were inviting friends. Last Sunday morning was the very first time he'd been to church with us. He came Sunday morning, came Sunday night, and praise God, he got saved last Sunday night. So we have a lot to celebrate. He wasn't the only one that got saved. There was quite a few students last Sunday night that got saved. And, man, we, we just want to celebrate that and praise God for what he's doing within our church family. God's moving. Can you not sense the Spirit of God doing something? Can you not it's, it's, it's just sense the Spirit of God is doing something new, something fresh? And I don't know about you, but I don't want to miss it. And if you're sitting here every week and you're thinking, man, I don't experience anything Bless God, just bless me, and I dare you to bless me. Let me tell you, just, just surrender to the Lord. Surrender, quit for going, hey, you better bless me. To Lord, how can I bless you? And let me tell you, when you start giving away, it will be absolutely incredible what's going to happen. Well, today we're wearing our favorite team colors. I think I look the best, the most handsome since I've been here, quite frankly. I don't think, I don't think, to, I don't think, do we, Brother Bill, darling? There's not a better looking color than Tennessee orange. But 
All right, where's all my Florida fans? All my Florida fans. All right, God love you. We are still praying for you to get saved and get right with God. Florida fans, we love you. Ronnie, I knew that you wouldn't have any trouble finding anything to wear today. I think 99.9999% of what you have is Florida. I love you, brother. All right, anybody is a Florida State fan? You know, Florida State fan? All right. Did y'all write each other a memo that y'all all sat in the same section, you know? Florida State. Hey, any Georgia Bulldog fans? Any Georgia? Woo! We got some Georgia fans. Hey, Georgia's ranked number three. Three. But we got to go. Who's ranked number two is Clemson. Any Clemson fans in the house? Couple of you. Oh, John, I love you, buddy. Some Clemson fans are in the house today. You know, who's number one, though? Alabama, where's our roll tide? Who's our Alabama fans? Wait a minute. Do we only have about three Alabama? I see you. I see you. We only have about four Alabama fans in here. Five, six, seven. Y'all are finally coming. Y'all, it took you a little while. We understand you're from Alabama. We get that. But you know what we say in the SEC before long? Everybody's going to have a coach in the SEC that went through Alabama. I mean, it's looking like more. Hey, any Buckeye fans? Where's my Ohio State fans? God bless you. We're praying for you for these first three games. We know what a Buckeye is, though, don't we? A hairless nut with little or no commercial value. So when somebody, I'm a Buckeye, just remember that. My pastor told me what little or no commercial value and what you're celebrating there. Any, any LSU fans? A couple LSU fans, we love you. We, that's a different world. You know, I, I got to do this. Any Boston Red Sox fans? We got some Boston Red Sox fans. How crazy is it? 90 wins and only 30-something losses. I I told you last night, I'm celebrating from Boston to the World Series, but then in the World Series, I'm going to root for my Atlanta Braves to beat you. I'm a big big Braves fan. As a matter of fact, our whole family is, I'll never forget, uh, when Sid Bream, who played for the Atlanta Braves, and he's a great Christian man, and one day we might have Sid Bream here, uh, man, he can share the gospel in a great way. But I'll never forget Sid Bream. I mean, I mean, any of us in this room could outrun Sid Bream. I mean, he's as slow as molasses. I mean, the dude could not run. But, I mean, he's running around third base. He comes in home. He slides under. He says, my dad got so excited, he jumped up and went through the ceiling fan in our house and broke the ceiling fan. I mean... I mean, boom, that sucker was gone. It was quite interesting. Georgia Tech. Anybody Georgia Tech fans? A couple of you. You know, we, we will celebrate a lot of different teams. Here's what I want you to do. On the count of three, I want you to say out loud, as loud as you can, your favorite team.
Who is the team that you root for? It can be basketball, baseball, soccer, whatever it is. You ready? On the count of three. You ready? One, two, three. Wow. I didn't get any of that. But here's what I want you to do now. On the count of three, let's all say Jesus together. When we shouted out the teams, we can't understand. But let me tell you what, can I tell you what makes us special in this room? What makes this special in this room? We belong to Jesus. Are you ready? You ready? Here we go. One, two, three. Jesus! That's the team we're on. I got some good news. You're on a winning team. What's your excuse, though? Hmm. What's your excuse you have been using... for not to identify with Jesus through baptism. What excuse for the last 30 years you've been giving God while you won't identify in baptism? What's the struggle You might say, why do I need to even be baptized? Well, let me show you. Look at Matthew chapter 28, and you know this text of Scripture. As a matter of fact, we're going to look at a couple, but look at Matthew chapter 28 with me. And some of you might say, man, I've checked that box off of baptism 20 years ago. I'm done. I, I can sleep for the next 20 minutes. Here's why I want you to listen. Some of you that would say, man, I checked off that box and got baptized. Well, I think the Holy Spirit's going to convict some of you about that. I think some of you that's already checked off the box of baptism in your life, you really need to listen because you're going to have somebody toe-to-toe, knee-to-knee, that's sitting in front of you, and they're going to ask you, why should I be baptized? Why should you listen today? Because baptism is a God principle. Baptism is just not something written that somebody would say in an ancient book. Baptism is just not written in an ancient book. Baptism is a God principle principle that we are to live faithfully and be obedient to. So, if you check that box off, I want you to listen because there's always something more that we can learn. I don't know about you, but there's not a subject in this world. There's not a subject about God that I've exhausted everything about it. As a matter of fact, there might be one phrase that is spoken today that God's going to bring back to your mind by the Holy Spirit of God in a conversation eight years from now. So listen, 
Some of you really need to pay attention because you're wrestling with this issue of baptism. Let's begin Matthew chapter 28, verse number 18. Y'all know this. This is as we are getting the great commission, Jesus is giving our marching orders. If you want to know what your marching orders are, as a matter of fact, I want you to hear this. Baptism is the will of God for every Christian. Let me state that again. Baptism is the will of God for every Christian. There is not a single Christian where it is not the will of God that you identify and you put on God's jersey through baptism. If you have not put on the God jersey of baptism or you got wet, you got baptized, then later on you got saved, you need to be biblically baptized because you're living in disobedience. As a matter of fact, as many of us that are here this morning, I would tell you, there's probably quite a few of you that are living in disobedience to God because you're not being obedient in the issue of baptism. As a matter of fact, I'm going to forewarn you, I'm going to be pretty blunt and pretty raw and pretty much up in your face, pretty close, because here's what I know. One day you're going to stand before God, and I don't want you to say, well, you know what, God, I just couldn't get baptized because I was afraid of the water. Now, how's that excuse going to stand before God? It's not going to stand up. In my 25 years, I have baptized quite a few people that have been scared of water. I'm telling you, they've been so scared of water when they stepped in that baptistry. I mean, it was like a tsunami because they were shaking so bad. I mean, I baptized them in the lake, and they stand in the lake, and they are, I mean, I can show you videos. They are visibly shaking. But I've got some good news. In 25 years of baptizing people, I've not lost a single one yet. I got some good news. And I, in 25 years, I've not held anybody under the water too long. How long do I hold you? I hold you under until I start to see bubbles come up. Then I'll pull you up. No. God doesn't give us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a what? Sound mind. Here's what I want you to do. In just a minute, when I give the invitation, some of you have been pushing off being obedient because you've been afraid. His perfect love cast out all fear. And let me tell you, those people that normally that I baptize that are so afraid of water, when they come up, let me tell you, they're probably rejoicing more than anybody because they just, bam, they just blew down that barrier. 
Well, Pastor Eric, if you, if you baptize me in the ocean, I mean, what am I going to look like when I come out of the water? God help us. I would say, what did God, what did Jesus look like when he died for you? What did Jesus, what did he look like? You couldn't even tell he was a what? You couldn't even tell he was a man. He'd been beaten and hit upon and mocked and whipped and all that. And we say, oh, no, I, I, just, I just don't think I can put my God jersey on and identify with him. I mean, whew, I mean, look at this. You don't want to mess up this pretty thing. Oh, I mean, serious, y'all. We're laughing about it, but it's true. It's true because the devil's going to do everything he can to lie to you and use whatever excuse that you don't get baptized. Some of you are holding on to, you know what, I, I don't think I need to get baptized because you know what, when I was a little baby, my mom and dad baptized me. My mom and dad, when I was just a little old Todd about this big, as a matter of fact, Pastor, can I show you some pictures? I got some pictures when I was a little Todd. And I went, my mom and dad took me in this church and they sprinkled some water. They, they baptized me as a little, little baby, so I'm good. Really? Christianity is a personal relationship. And baptism happens after faith and happens after salvation. But I guarantee you, there's probably somebody in this room or somebody watching this on Facebook Live, you've been holding on, oh, my mom and dad, they, they, they dedicated you to the Lord. That is not your baptism. I'm telling you, some of you, some of you got baptized because Joe was getting baptized. Some of you got baptized because you wanted to please a girlfriend. Some of you, you walked into that water and your motive was really not to put your God jersey on. Your motive was your brother got saved and they were celebrating, hey, I need to make mom and dad happy over here. Mm, let's get a little personal. Why is baptism a big deal? Matthew 28, verse 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go. I like the word go, don't you? It doesn't say just come. It says go. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. And what are we supposed to do? Here's our marching orders. What are we supposed to do? Somebody tell me. Baptizing them. And then notice, I want you to hear this, and every word matters. And that's why when my dad baptized me as a child, and I thought I had to walk 985, I thought I had to walk a lot of steps until I baptized last Sunday morning. I didn't know I had to do 10 flights of steps to get to our baptistry. And by the way, I wish one of you pastors would have told me the waiters leak. 
I mean, last Sunday in baptism, I thought, you know, when the song's over, I want to be ready when the song's over, so I'll get in the water a little early, so we're ready to get baptized. You know what? I take about three steps into the baptistry, and all of a sudden, I realize, these waiters don't work. I mean, when I got finished baptizing last Sunday, I was wet up to here. And I'm telling you, it's only by God's grace, right before I left last Sunday morning, it's kind of, y'all might laugh at this, but I believe it was the prompting of the Holy Spirit of God. The, the Holy Spirit said, hey, go back and get a complete full change of clothes. And praise God, I had a full complete change of clothes last Sunday, or it would have been rather embarrassing. But when my father baptized me, he asked me two questions. Eric, are you saying you've trusted Jesus? Yes. Are you saying you want to live for Jesus the rest of your life? I said, yes. Then my dad put his hand on my back, put his arm up. I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You might say, man, is that just tradition that we're doing? No, it's biblical. What does the text of Scripture say in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19? Sometimes we read this, go therefore and make disciples and baptize them. But how are you supposed to baptize them? Or did Lou and I just sit in a room and come up with an idea? Hey, let's raise your hand and let's baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. No, we didn't make this stuff up. It's straight from God's Word. I mean, let's read it. Look at verse 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's why at 5 o'clock at Sunsplash Park tonight, that's why we're going to stand there. We're going to introduce them. We're going to ask them, are they not ashamed of Jesus Christ? Have you trusted Jesus? Then we're going to baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Why? Because it's biblical. Because it's right. Look at the next verse. Sometimes we want to stop there. But look at verse 20. Teaching them to observe all things. Teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. What is he t- Here is the marching orders in verse 20. I, I don't want them... Making disciples is teaching them to observe all things. Well, what does that mean, part of that? Teaching them to observe all things is being baptized. So write this down. Question number one. Right, I'm going to do three questions and I'm done. Ready? Three questions. Number one, why should I be baptized? Because it's a command of God. You cannot negotiate yourself out of this command. Some of you, for 40 years, 50 years, you have been holding on to a pew. You know it's important, but you have tried to negotiate yourself out of being baptized. God will not allow you to negotiate out of baptism because baptism is a command of God. But let's settle this issue. Do you have to be baptized in order to be saved? Yes or no? Oh, let's say it again. Do you have to be baptized in order to be saved? Yes or no? No. But if you're a Christ follower, why wouldn't you want to? 
I, I still haven't figured out the person when they say, well, man, I'm a Christ follower. I'm trusting Jesus. When I take my last breath, I'm going to spend all of eternity in heaven. But by the way, I'm not going to follow that command. Being baptized, it is essential for your walk with God. It is, it is important. It's important enough. I want everybody eyeball right here on me. It's important enough that some of you need to be at Sunsplash Park at 445 ready to get baptized today. What God calls important, we need to call important. What God makes a big deal about, we need to make a big deal out of it. Well, when should I do this? Can I just keep putting it off? Well, no. Look at this next one. I put immediate. Can we read all these scriptures? Turn to Acts chapter 8. I want you to see this. We know Acts is the history book of the New Testament church. Acts is a book. It is a descriptive book. Acts chapter 8. Let's start with verse number 12. And I, and I want you to mark in all this is baptism, and it tells us when they got baptized. And that's why I'm saying it's today. It's today to poke the devil in the eye and say no more. Acts chapter 8. Let's look at it, verse number 12. And when they believed Philip, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were what? They were what? Baptized, what? Philip preaching the word, they get saved, they are baptized. Look at the same chapter, look at verse number 36. This is my favorite story, and as a matter of fact, Lowell is going to read this passage of Scripture for us before we baptize tonight about Philip and the eunuch. Look what it says in verse 36. Now, as they went down the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? And Philip said, If you believe with all of your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So first Baptist, do you believe Jesus is the Son of God? All right, so get baptized. End of story. Look what happens in verse 38. So he commanded the chariot to stand still, and both Philip and the eunuch went down in the water, and he baptized him. Look at chapter 9 and look at verse number 18. Acts chapter 9, verse number 18, what happens? This is talking about Saul the Paul. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was what? That's pretty immediate, don't you think? Let's go all the way over to Acts chapter 16. Look at verse number 15. Let's read 14 and 15 so you get the context of this. In verse 14, you see Lydia gets saved. After Lydia gets saved, what do they do? Well, look at Acts chapter 16. Remember, this is descriptive in the New Testament and what is happening. Let's start Acts 16, verse 14. Now, a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira who worshiped God. The Lord opened her heart 
to heed the things spoken by Paul. And when she and her household were what? Baptized. Look at verse number 33. Acts 16, verse 33. And he took them the same what? The same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and all of his family and they were what? Baptized. Is it biblical for a family to get baptized? I've got some incredible news for you tonight. Several weeks ago, we, at the West Campus, we baptized a young man by the name of Danny. Danny just got saved. Can I tell you who we're baptizing tonight? We're baptizing his wife and his children because the whole house got saved. Can I tell you, it's biblical, it's beautiful. So tonight, Danny's going to be in the water right there as his wife and his children get baptized. That's the hallelujah moment, isn't it? Mm. Acts chapter 18, look at verse number 8. Then Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all of his household and many of the Corinthians, hearing, believed, and they were what? Baptized. Look at Acts chapter 19. Look at verse number 5. When they heard this, they were what? In the name of the Lord Jesus. Why should you be baptized tonight? It's a command of God. Second thing, write this down. How should I be baptized? We live in this room what a lot of people coming from a lot of different backgrounds. The question is, how should I be baptized? Let's answer that by the baptism of Jesus. Look at Mark chapter 1. Look at verse 9, 10, and 11. And you're going to see how are we baptized I firmly believe, biblically and historically, as you look at the New Testament church, biblical baptism is being immersed. Really, when you look at the Greek word there, in 1611, when King James asked the scholars to translate it, there was not a word to translate that Greek word, so they transliterated baptism, baptizo, and that means to immerse. So somebody were to ask, what is the biblical way to be baptized? The biblical way of the, to be baptized is to be immersed and to go all the way under. You might say, Pastor, but I was sprinkled. I would tell you tonight you need to get biblically baptized. I was poured on. I would say you need to get biblically baptized. Biblical baptism is that you are immersed and you go underneath the water and you come back up. All right, so let's just stop. There's some of you, you're going, oh man, Eric, you're really up close and personal. Yeah, I am. Because you know what? It's going to be a really up close and personal conversation when you're with God one day. And I think God, one of the responsibilities God's given me is to equip the saints so you can go and do the work of the ministry. And I want to equip you that I don't want you to be disobedient to God. If I didn't care about your soul and I didn't love you, I said, oh, I don't matter, do whatever you want to do. No, I do care. And because I do care, I want you to do it biblically right. 
But there's several of you, there's no way. Oh, you're already, you started crossing your arms. I'm not doing that. I want everybody to look this way. If you got baptized, then say you need to be baptized. If you got baptized and it was the complete wrong reason, you need to, have, you need to get baptized. If you got sprinkled, he got poured on. I would even say this. If you got baptized in order to be saved, you need to be biblically baptized. That you're not being baptized for salvation. You're being baptized because of salvation. And there's probably somebody in this room that you got baptized so you would be saved. And tonight you need to come get baptized because you are saved. You're saying, but what's somebody going to think? Can we make an agreement in this room? That person that has struggled with it. As a matter of fact, in the first service, I said, some of you have struggled with this for 10 years. You know what? There was a young man sitting around. He raised his hand. I've never, I don't think I've ever had that happen. He just confessed. I mean, right in front. Yep, I've been putting it off for 10 years. Then I said, some of y'all put it off for 20 years, 30 years. You know what? His hand went right back up. I, I praise God for his honesty. But here's what we're going to do. We're not going to snub our nose at you. We're not going to look, oh, how dare them. They are my, they teach my life group. And, oh, no, you know what we're going to do? We're going to celebrate it. Can we make an agreement? In just a minute, when we have the invitation, and some of y'all are getting right with this issue of baptism, what are we going to do for them that are getting right? We are going to do what, my family? We're going to do what? We're going to do what? We're going to celebrate it with them. So let us celebrate with you. Quit putting it off. Quit living in disobedience. Look at Mark chapter 1, verses 9 through 10. i got three minutes, and I'm done. And it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee. You might say, oh, man, Jesus, Jesus traveled. That's 60 miles. Big deal. And was baptized by John in the Jordan. You know what? Um, when we go to Israel, and by God's grace, we'll, we'll take a team of you. We'll go to Israel one day and... Let me tell you, when we're, we're there, we will not go to the spot where they give you white robes and they got all this concrete stuff. They got it all. The water's crystal. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to take you to the bottom of the Jordan. It, is, it looks like you're getting baptized in chocolate milk. I mean, you're standing on a little wooden deck. You're praying, God, I pray I don't fall in. Why do that? Because... I don't want to go to the tourist area. I want to go to the spot that is the closest spot of where Jesus was baptized. As a matter of fact, and you'll tell you, whatever I baptize in at that place, it will stain all of my clothes that color. And I told Amy after, I said, Amy, look at this. My clothes are stained, and it looks like the River Jordan. Isn't that pretty cool? Look at this text says, verse 10. And immediately, mm -mm. mark these couple words. This is going to settle an issue for you. Coming up from the water. Why was he coming up from the water? 
because he was immersed. And he saw the heavens parting and the Spirit descending upon him like a dove. Then a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. You know, I think it's a beautiful thing when we get baptized. It's pleasing to God. Why should you get baptized today? It's a command of God. How should you get baptized? Being immersed. Third question, I'm done. What does it mean? Let me tell you what it means. Romans chapter 6, of course, explains it. But when my dad baptized me, that water stands for that baptistry is like a liquid tomb. And when I went in that baptistry, I went in, first of all, representing that I'm dead without Jesus. I'm dead without Jesus. So I got in that water. My dad asked me those questions. He puts his hand up in the air. I'm representing before Jesus death. When my dad put me underneath that water, I'm identifying with the barrel of Jesus. But there comes a moment Mm. There's a comes a moment when I'm identifying with the barrel of Jesus at that bottom part of when the hand goes to the lowest part. Then it's, there's going to be a, a transition. There's going to be a transition that I'm no longer identifying with death. I'm no longer identifying with his barrel. There's going to be a transition when my dad started to pull me up. All of a sudden, I started representing that Jesus' hands started to move again. I'm starting to represent that his feet started to move again. I'm starting to represent that Jesus walked out of that tomb one day. I'm starting to represent that Jesus is a king of kings and Lord of lords. I'm starting to represent that death could not kill him. Death could not conquer him. That my Jesus, that my Jesus is alive and my Jesus is my Savior. And my dad started pulling me up and I started representing Jesus. Then all of a sudden, when I come up out of that water, all of a sudden in the year 1977, I put my jersey on that said, I'm on God's team. I went in. See, I identify with death. I identify with the burial. But praise God, I identify with the resurrection of Jesus. Mm. Some of y'all go, yep, I'm not doing that. I'm going to end on asking six questions. Hold on, before we put them up. I want you to answer these six questions honestly. And then I want you to respond appropriately. Here are the six questions. Number one. Can y'all put them up for me? Have you been biblically baptized? Oh, well, I was sprinkled. I was poured on. I, I, I got baptized, then I got saved. 
Question number two. Why did you decide to get baptized? Why did you get decide to get baptized? Did you decide to get baptized because you were identifying with Jesus? Or you were waiting for a plaque or a picture or a certificate? Question number three. What happened to your baptism? What happened? Question number four. Did your baptism follow your experience of receiving Christ? There's several of you. The answer to that would be no. So what's the appropriate response? You need to come and get baptized. Question number five. Was your baptism done by a church of like faith and order? Or were you being baptized to be saved? Are you being baptized to meet some other tradition? Question number six. What's keeping you from being baptized? Come put your God jersey on. And say you're on God's team. You can't negotiate out of it. Baptism is the will of God. So today is the day that walk in the will of God. You know one thing that will happen? God will give you a clear conscience. When Amy and I served at Bayside for 18 years, one of the things that we did while we were there, I loved doing revivals. We had a three-week-long revival. I'll never forget when I announced to the church, hey, church, I'm so excited in this coming spring. We're going to do, in end of February, March, we're going to do a three-week-long revival, and I want you to be committed. At first, they thought, man, alive, our pastor has flipped out. I mean, we used to do revival, you know. Remember Sunday, this Sunday, then Sunday, the Wednesday. Now it's Sunday morning and you're done. Three week long. One of those nights we were dealing with having a clear conscience. And one of my very best friends, uh, he, had ju- he had retired from being the chief financial officer for Blue Cross Blue Shield. God convicted him about having a clear conscience. He said, Pastor Eric, let me tell you what God's convicted me of. I mean, we are deep, deep, I mean, unbelievably great friends. We've been in the wor- around the world doing mission trips. We've done a lot together. A godly, godly man. But he said, you know what? When I was in, uh, a, as a teenager, I went into a store one day, and I stole some cigarettes. And I need to make it right for what I did all those years ago. So he wrote a letter. He found the store, wrote a letter to him, said, hey, I want you to know 
I am so sorry that all those years ago that I stole a pack of cigarettes and I was wrong and it's sin. And I want you to know I have met the person of Jesus Christ and what Jesus Christ has done in my life. And I want to make it right and have a clear conscience. And he wrote them a check, that I mean a huge check that would cover those cigarettes. I cannot tell you how many times over. Because he says, I want to have a clear conscience and I want to do what's right where I stole. You know what would be great tonight? That you can go to bed with a clear conscience that you've honored the Lord in baptism. So we're going to pray. We're going to sing. You're going to come. Okay, let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we we see so clearly it is a command of God that we are baptized. And Lord, it is absolutely a beautiful picture, meaning of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. Lord, it is beautiful that we get to identify with you. So, Lord, I pray that today we'll put our God jersey on. Lord, we've held on to a lot of excuses. We've been making you a promise that, Lord, one day I'll do that. But, Lord, I I pray that we'll put a stake in the ground and we'll say, today's the day. And, Lord that we as a church might celebrate it with the ones that are going to walk in obedience today. Right right now as your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed, this is a serious moment. I guarantee you the excuse that you're holding on to will not be an excuse that stands before God. So today, in just a moment, we're going to stand. The pastors are going to be down front. I mean, the moment we start to sing, you take that step of obedience. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to celebrate it. I I pray, like we did at the West Campus, as everybody came, we started clapping and we started applauding and we started celebrating as they were coming forward. God, I pray that we will celebrate what your spirit is doing and how you're moving. In Christ's name, amen. So here's the deal. We're gonna stand. There's gonna be pastors down front. This is the time to respond. This is the time to come. So right now as we stand to our feet, Pastor Ken's gonna lead us. Pastors are down front. Come right now.